Well, Basalana, our next speaker uh, is a son of the house. He is a... He's a... He's among the oldest members in this church. Started serving in our church as a young man. And I remember when he first came, I would give them these awkward assignments. Send him here, send him there to see if he will prove himself. But he worked very hard, was very faithful in all that he did. He has served in almost all the departments in our church, most of them, except the women's fellowship, of course. He didn't <laughs> I have to say that advisedly. Yeah. And uh, it's been a joy for me to see him grow in the Lord and also pursue uh, the academic route as well because he really loves it. And, uh, and when he got his doctorate, it was such an exciting thing for us. And he's gone on to author several books as well. He also runs the marathon. I know he doesn't want me to tell you. He's a runner. Uh, he's a husband, and they've been blessed with two children, two boys, two sons. I think most of all, what I want to say, he is a faithful son of the house. I know when I ask him to do something, he will do more than what I've asked, and he will be faithful with it. And so, Basalana, let's put our hands together as we welcome Bishop Ezekiel Matola. Amen, amen, and amen. Well, good morning, good morning. How are you this morning? Please kindly take your seats. <laughs> amen. I, I'm kind of feeling that I've been set up today by my presiding bishop. <laughs> There's so many senior leaders who are here. Uh, but first of all, I want to thank my presiding bishop, our leader, our senior pastor for just granting us the opportunity to come and serve. Uh, I remember several years back when there was a need for people to do odd things when many of the people who were uh, Rema graduates left the church when our presiding bishop was asked to lead the church. Uh, it was just a few of us in that 33 and who had no experience about what Bible school is all about. And we had to figure it out. Figure it out as he was figuring out to be a senior pastor. We were figuring out how to help him. Here we are 40 years later. Thank you, Presiding Bishop. Thank you to my bishop, our overseer, and we are thankful. To all the senior leaders who are here, we are thankful. I'm just going to sum it up quickly because my airtime, I'm looking at it there. All right, thanks, Bishop. I just want to thank our leaders who are here. We've got a history together. Uh, I used to go almost everywhere where Bishop was going uh, before I had more responsibilities in the church. So I got to be exposed to a lot of things. 
a lot of things. I got to meet leaders who were his friends, and some of them have become my friends too. So we are thankful to God with what God has done. Let me pray. Father, we thank you for your grace, your mercy. You are such an awesome God. We thank you for your ability to do what you can do in 40 years in honor of your word. I yield myself to be your servant this morning that you may use me to your glory in order, O oh God, to speak to the leaders, the congregation that is here, to the glory and honor of your name. Amen. Amen. I feel excited to speak after my presiding bishop spoke yesterday. We are looking at seeing I'm doing a new thing. Isaiah 43, verse 18 to 21, I have chosen to use uh, the new international version, but I will also move into other versions. The scripture reads, forget the former things, do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. It springs up and you do not perceive it. I'm making a way in the desert and the streams in the wasteland. Verse 20. The wild animals honor me and the jackals and the owls. Because I provide water in the desert, streams in the wasteland to give drink to my people, my chosen the people I have formed for myself that they may proclaim my praise. May the Lord bless the reading of this word. The context of this scripture, as our presiding bishop explained yesterday, is that God was speaking to a people who were spiritually lawless, backslidden, idolatrous, and rebellious. And this thing led them into judgment and condemnation resulting in their dispossession, captivity, and being exiled to Babylon. They became disfavored by God. They became deprived, conquered, enslaved, and uprooted. Why? Because Isaiah warned them. He warned them when he wrote in Isaiah 13, verse 1. He says, God says, I will punish the world for its evil, the wicked for their sins, and I will put an end to the arrogance of the haughty and will humble the pride of the ruthless. God is decisive when he deals with an unrepentant heart that obstructs his will and his purpose. What is this new thing that God is talking about? God talks about a new thing to a people who are in a dark place, forsaken by God because of their ungodliness and their practices of injustice. But God, when he speaks this word, he speaks it at the time when people were not expecting it in order for him to interrupt wrath and judgment in exchange of his mercy and his pardon. We are reminded what the psalmist says in Psalms 30 verse 5, for his anger lasts only for a moment, 
but his favor lasts for a lifetime. Weeping may remain for the night. You remember the night that Bishop Charlo was talking about and the day, but rejoicing comes in the morning. Let's go back to Isaiah 43, 18. The scripture says, and I'm going to read two translations and focus on the second one. It says, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. That's the NIV. The new King James Version, which is more closer to the King James, which is more accurate. It says, do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. I'm interested in the word remember because it's very critical in you understanding the new thing. The word remember, according to Strong, it comes from a Hebrew word called zokar. It is a primitive word which explains or which has connotation about to mark. To mark. To mark as to remember or to mention. Or it means also to remember or to bring to a recall or to come up to a remembrance or to think on. To think on. So God did not necessarily say forget. God was saying even when the memory is there, don't go to it. Remember not. Remember not. God was referring to their past. May I please kindly take... <laughs> the, the, the lights are until you are under this thing. Yeah. God was referring to the past and he says, remember not. In the Bible, when you read it, according to Christian Jehoiakim, he says, remembering and forgetting have reference to memory. In memory studies, when you talk about remembering, you are addressing or you are dealing with something that relates to identity, history, and tradition. Those three elements are very important. So memory, the essence of memory is your personhood. The essence of history is your story, which includes your roots. The essence of tradition is your customs, which includes your habits, your beliefs, your, your values, your spirituality, and your faith. So when God says, remember not the former things, he was going into people's memory. Because that memory has impact on identity. Now let's, let, let's look at those three things. Identity, history, and tradition as the things that God is addressing. I'm not going to have time to define, but just raise some pointers for your curiosity. Identity. Identity is a definition of who or what you are. 
who or what you are. In line with the word of God, in line with where you come from. But identity, most of the time, when we look at it in the natural, and when we look at it practically, identity, normally we start first with our biological traits, our physical markers, or your looks. From there, you begin to define your identity. But that can deceive you. Because identity is socially and historically constructed. It is socially constructed in the family. It is socially constructed in society. God calls you. God talks to you as a member of a family that has an impact on you. That has raised you in a specific way. In a specific community. Society constructs your identity through education. That is why apartheid education, my generation is still struggling to be free from that. A generation that does not question A generation that follows leadership blindly without looking at the values that that leadership represents. That is why the new generation is asking questions. If you say don't come at six, they say why? Why can't I come at six? They are not rebelling, they just want to know why. Who gives you the right to tell me I must come at six? And you are the parent. But you must reinforce it. I'm your parent. I know what's better than you. Are you there? You explain it. You don't reinforce it without explanation. The media is constructing our identity. Most of us, even when we read the Bible, we are more reflecting the identity of popular media than the identity of the revelation of the word of God. Our relationships construct who we are. <laughs> when identity is a social construct, when identity is what we call a, a, a historical construct, Identity gives you what people call herd mentality. Herd mentality, which gives you a sense of belonging. Which herd do you belong to? Who do you identify with? Sometimes we act according to the groupings we belong to. Not according to what God says. Unless the grouping is in the Lord. Suzanne Taylor asserts, whatever we believe about ourselves and the ability comes true for us. What, what, what you have been taught, what you have been educated to be, that's what you are going to be because you are going to believe it. It's going to come through for you. 
come through for you in your family, come through for you in your career, come through for you wherever you lead as a child of God. No wonder God is addressing it. You'll see the relevance. Which means your identity influences how we understand the world, its opportunities and difficulties according to our character, gender, nationality, and abilities. When God calls you, he calls you already having had an identity formed. And he has to deal with things that are not aligned with his purpose to redeem you out of them. Number two, history. History has, the word history in academia has become a contentious word. There are people who are saying, no, it must not be history, it must be her story. Because women don't feel included. It is his story. Where am I in the story? <laughs> ah, Jesus. <laughs> I mean, we are living in a world where things are questioned. Now let's say it's our story. Whether it's your story or it's his story or her story, you are covered. Hallelujah. History speaks to our identity that, that evolves over time in reference to your origin, to your power, to your role, and to your lived experiences that you have personally and collectively. As an individual, you have a story. That story speaks about your origin. Who are you? Where you were born? Whether do you believe you have been created by God in the image of God? Whether you believe you have been destined by God or you come from other atomic forces? Whatever you believe. Whether you, 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 you broke out somewhere else within the continent. It's up to you. But it will also affect how you have intersection with power. Whether it's power over or powerful. Very important. We have struggles in our own country. We are going back as a democracy to what the oppressive government was doing. When God broke us free from that, we are going back to our default mode. Because when God says, forget former things, remember them not, they are there, there for your lesson, there as a reminder of where I don't want you. But look at the new thing I'm doing. Our role and our lived experiences. So history is intricately connected to your background. In turn, it shapes your aspirations, your dreams, your vision in the future. We are told of two, two it's just a story I heard somewhere, so don't go and, re, and make research about it. It's a story. It might be true, it might not be true. I was not there, it was said to me. 
second. That's what I'm saying. Someone said. There's no name to it. Hallelujah. Someone tells the story of two kids. One is in the suburb. One is in this squatter camp. All they are children of God. Coming from a family that is born again. Lunchtime they are praying because they don't have food. So the one in the suburb prays this way. God, oh, that juicy, delicious <laughs> beggar from that so-and-so shop with that drink. Oh, Jesus. The one in the squatter camp says, God, if I can just have quarter with all my feelings and with eyes. God responded to their prayers and gave them what they asked. Your history will affect your aspirations if you don't align it if you don't align it to a God who can do exceedingly abundantly more than you can think or imagine. When this church was built, it comes from a 17 years experience that says, God, you can do what you do in the suburb. You can do what you do in America. You can do what you do in Europe. In the township. Not only that, we've got good properties in the suburbs. But we had to align. To say that history we have of deprivation. Of being despised of doubting who we are on the basis of what God has called us to be in order to be where we are and where we are going. Langston Hughes says, hold fast to dreams. For if dreams die, Life is a broken winged bird that cannot fly. What are those dreams that God has placed in you? Don't die in the dreams that your parents have set for you. Because they are limited as compared to the dreams that God has for you. Don't die in the dreams that society allows you to have. Because God, as our presiding bishop explained, is doing a new thing. Something unfamiliar. Something that has never been experienced. Something that has never been done. But God is going to use you in your generation. And surprise, surprise. He's a God of wonders. Oh, Jesus. So history addresses your identity in reference to your empowerment, possessions, and freedom.
Mm. When you understand where God is taking you, you will live every day to make a new history. God has empowered you. When he comes to Gideon, he says, you mighty men of valor. There's valor in you. There's talent in you. There's anointing in you. There's gifts in you. There's talent in you to shape history. Defy the odds. History defines your understanding of possession. There's one area I agree with the communist. There's one, I said one area. So don't call me a communist because if God can use a donkey to say the truth, even a communist can become a voice of God. If the Christians around are not listening. If you remove people from land, you dehumanize the people. Because the, 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 the communists say the land is a means of production. If we take away your land, we take your means. Your means, your means. Why did God deliver the, Egypt, the children of Israel in Egypt? Send them into a land of milk and honey. It means if you are landless, you have no milk and you have no honey. Milk, listen, milk is a basic necessity. Honey is God's excess. God wants you to have more than you need in quality. He gives you the basics, but he does not leave you there. History determines your understanding of freedom. Let me say this. Freedom is never free. Freedom is fought for. Jesus had to die for you to be free. There was a sacrifice offered for your freedom. You did not pay anything. Gratis, grace. But it cost God something. Value your freedom. Freedom to serve. Freedom to labor in the field of God. Freedom to be a transformer where there is a need for transformation. Freedom to be a healer where healing is reconciled. Freedom to be a reconciler, a builder where building is necessary. Let me go to James Baldwin, who observed his own generation, and he was a bit frustrated. He said, people are trapped in history, and history is trapped in them. That is why we must detach ourselves from any history that retards our growth and our freedom for God's sake.
We don't worship history. History is our story as we evolved in our walk with God. It becomes sacrilege when we worship it. Let me go to traditions and we'll come to application. Traditional culture. I'm not going to dwell much. There's an expert of culture here. There's always a cultural signature to your identity. There's always, there's always. You see, culture conditions or it shapes your current identity. If you are raised in a culture of intolerance, you'll be intolerant. If you are raised in a culture of fear, you will be suspicious about anything. If you are raised in a culture of possibilities, you will live by faith and not walk by sight. Conditions. Conditions. What culture are we creating? In the past, we created a culture of dependency. Where we blame others. We blame politicians, yet we vote for them. Culture, not only conditions, conditions, it reinforces or feeds certain beliefs, norms and values and meaning. So we practice or behave according to what is constantly culturally reinforced. If you keep on hearing the same thing, you are a nobody, you will never amount to anything. That's what you are going to be. But if you keep hearing, if God is for you, who can be against you? If you keep hearing, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. If you keep hearing, you are blessed to be a blessing. If you keep hearing, you will be the head and not the tail. You will be above only and never beneath. That's what you are going to hear. Let's go back and check. What has been reinforced? Sometimes we work for bosses who reinforce, who reinforce things that are contrary to the word of God. No wonder you can't see the new thing. Because there is an Uzziah on top of you. So King Uzziah must die so that you may see the Lord. When you see the Lord, you will see who you are. And you will do the things that God has called you to do. Not by might, not by power, but by his power. That you will break down mountains. You don't see yourself as a mountain mover because of the culture. The culture that has reinforced domination, oppression, fear, consumerism. We're not thinking as entrepreneurs, we're not thinking leadership, we're thinking followership. Let me tell you, even when you are a follower somewhere, there's something you were born to lead. 
You know the good news about reinforcement and the good news about conditioning is that what is conditioned and reinforced can be changed if it is no longer beneficial. Jim Joris teaches us, he says, tradition does not mean to look after the ash, but it means to keep the fire or the flame alive. Once the fire of, of tradition becomes the ash, remove the ash. See the new thing that God is doing. Light the new fire. The new fire for your vision. The new fire for your church. The new fire for your country. Don't be a caretaker of ashes. And tell us that in 1921, David, someone who was a shepherd, after he gone through many struggles, even in the midst of the struggles, he runs, he, he writes Psalms 23. You know, there's, there's a portion I like there. It says, you, you fill my cup and my cup runs over. But why are we stuck at the cup? Why can't we say you make my buckets to run over? Why can't we say you make my pot to run over? Why can't we say we will make my drum to run over? We are still stuck in the cup when God wants us with the faith of a drum, of a bucket, something that is a bigger and a better container than what you have heard from your predecessors. You are still asking for a double portion from somebody whose prayer, when he prayed, he was, expect, he was exposed to one portion. You have lived beyond double portion. You are looking at Elijah. You must get something bigger, better than what Elijah could get. The ministry of Elijah, of Elijah, was bigger than the ministry of Elijah. It means the church. Means the church must see a new thing, a new thing. That God has moved beyond Elisha. And put your name on it. The good news is conditioning can be changed. If you have been conditioned for a cup, get out of the cup. Let something bigger overrun. Now let's come to application. God gives a provocation after challenging the memory. He says, see, see. He challenges the memory. He wants to upgrade the software. He's putting current updates according to the move of the spirit. And when God does that, when he says see, he's calling them to a reorientation. To the view of them being forward looking than backward looking. John Lubbock says, 
What you can see mainly depends on what you are looking for. If you don't know what you are looking for, you'll never see anything. We must stop looking at our future through the eyes of our struggles. Your future will be painful if you look at it. If you look at your future on the basis of what your enemies have done to you. Your future will be a future of an underdog. Somebody who's hurt. Somebody who's betrayed. But when you look at your future on the basis of the promises of Jehovah. Yay! On the basis of Jehovah. God will do a new thing that you have never seen. God will empower you in a new way. So we have to start looking around spiritually in line with God's divine revelation to see his works and look ahead for better prospects to something that is new, something that is fresh, something that is different, something that is unfamiliar, but that is ordained by God. Similarly, because you have to establish pattern in the Bible, God said the same thing to Joshua after he succeeded Moses. And he says to him, in Joshua 6, verse 2 and verse 3, after there's been many Joshua's mentioned. <laughs> the Lord said to Joshua, the Lord, the Lord, the Lord, let us not lose the charismatic Pentecostal DNA of hearing from God. Because those who used it before were discredited. There is no mission, there is no future if we can't hear from God. We hear from God through his word. We hear from God through the gifts of the spirit. We hear from God from the inner witness. We hear from God as children of God. We need to fight for this DNA. I like what my presiding bishop said yesterday. When there is a fake, it means there's something real. Let's go for the real stuff. Let's read. The Lord said to Joshua, so God can speak to you. You must start to have this paradigm that God can speak to me. says, see, I have delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its kings and its fighting men, march around the city, once with all the armed men, and do this for six days. Listen to what God says. Jericho is not yet delivered. Jericho is still there. Jericho looks impenetrable. This is mission impossible. According to the natural man. But God says, mm -mm. this is my word, Joshua. This is not the circumstances. 
Change the memory, change the memory, change the memory, change the memory, change the history, change the cultural conditioning. I'm giving you a new identity, Joshua. Today you are a wall breaker. Today you are a miracle worker. Today you are a deliverer in the hands of God. Change, 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 change. Until you see it, God can do it for you. That's Jericho. God says, before he attacks, sometimes we like to fight. God's fights. Aluta continua. The struggle continues. We want to Zabalaza, even in the wrong place. Stand still and know that he is God. Let him Zabalaza. Stop Zabalazi. Where you are not meant to Zabalaza. God says to him, I've given you Jericho. I've given, I've given, I've given. I have delivered. Hey, I love it. Redemption. Redemption. I have delivered. There is service delivery that comes from God. That only requires faith. There's no load shedding with it. There's no water rationing with it. There's no human incompetence with it. God says I have delivered. God is not a man that he should lie. Neither the son of man that he should repent. He watches over his way to perform it. Heaven and earth may pass away. But the word of God stands sure forever and forever and forever. When he says it, it's as good as done. God says to him, do the unthinkable. Do the unthinkable. Let your men carry the, their weapons. Let them move and walk like puppet soldiers. Six days. You'll be hearing things for six days. Six days you'll be hearing things. As you are walking around your Jericho. Six days as you are walking. And not fighting. Those who stay in Jericho will be cursing at you. Will be saying you are mad. We'll be saying all sorts of things. But the issue is whose report will you believe? You must believe the report of the Lord. In order to receive what the Lord has given to you. What is this new thing that God is doing? It's what I call new action. God is orchestrating a new deliverance, a new exodus, a new redemption. God promises to do a new thing. A, a, a new beginning out of a dreadful situation. God says we must have new action to inject new aspiration, new hope from our historical and familiar situations. Several things I want to say, then we are done. What is this new thing that we must identify? This new deed we must anticipate. You see, when God says something, anticipate anticipate. Wait with expectations. That's the letter that was read yesterday from Pastor Ray. That after 40 years we must anticipate that God will do new things. These things are prophetic. They're very prophetic. What do we anticipate? We anticipate new answers. 
Psalm 65, verse 5, it says, You answer us with your awesome deeds of righteousness. O God, our Savior, Redeemer, the hope of all the ends of the earth and of the farthest of the seas. I like what Croft M. Penn says. He says, even when we pray, God's answers are wiser than our prayers. Can't lock God in your cultural settings about prayer. You can't confine him. God wants us, God does not respond ordinarily to our needs, dreams and challenges. He responds extraordinarily with efficiency and relevance. The second item, the, the, the number two there, which is a B on my notes. The new action is when God gives you a new assignment. God repurposes your life to add new responsibilities. God refreshes your mandate and realigns you to it. Bill Johnson says, royalty is my identity, meaning I'm a royal priesthood. I'm peculiar to people. They will never understand who I am. Royalty is my identity. Servanthood is my assignment. Intimacy with God, my life source. No wonder the psalmist prayed in Psalms 90, 17. He says, may the favor of the Lord our God rest upon us. Establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. Repetition there for emphasis. Number three, new provision. New provision. God is going to make you to handle things you have never handled. From millions to billions. Psalms 81 verse 10 says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt. Don't think as if you are in Egypt. When God has already brought you out, you are delivered. Think, pray, lead as a delivered person. Speak as a delivered person. Walk by faith as a delivered person, not as a slave. The Lord says, I'm the Lord, I'm the Lord, I'm the Lord who delivered you. Who brought you out of Egypt? You are out. Then he says, because you are out, open wide your mouth, I will fill it. In Egypt, your mouth was muzzled. While you labored for the pharaohs. But in God's freedom, God says, you are out, you are out. Stop praying for deliverance. If the son of man sets you free, you are free indeed. You have been delivered from the power of darkness and have been translated into the kingdom of his dear son. All authority and power has been given to you to trample over the Scorpios. To use the name of Jesus. You are out. You have been delivered. Stop wasting time looking for deliverance. Practice open mouth. 
Start to have appetites that God wants you to have. Start to have a quiet taste for the things that God wants you to acquire for. Our problem is our mouth is not wide enough for God to fill it. Mike Maddox says provision is only guaranteed at the place of your assignment. If you are misplaced, you, will, you can open your mouth as, as wide as you want to. It will be like you are yawning. Because you have no business to be there. Number four. God will give you new miracles. Open new gateways for God's supernatural power to capacitate you to perform your God-given responsibilities. Stanley Horton says, God wants us to look ahead of new miracles that will overshadow the old. When this building was built by the grace of God under the leadership of our presiding bishop and my bishop, it was a miracle. In two years' time, we paid around uh, several millions that were given as a top-up for the bond, two years' time, when we were supposed to pay it in 10 years. Now, every building we are buying now is cash. But what is God saying to us? God is saying, all those things, all those things cannot match the things that God wants to do beyond the 40 years. Beyond the 40 years. Well, a thousand church is going to come as quicker than we ever think. Second Corinthians 9, 8, and that's my last verse, and we pray. And God is able. God is able. God does not have a disability. God is not on Sasa Grant. Mudimu hasi mudimu amdende. Don't mdende rise God. God is able. God is able to make. If it's not there, he will make it. He's the maker. He will make all grace to abound to you. Then there is a reason so that, so that, so that in all things, in all things, at all times, Having all you need. You will abound in every good work. Hey. Hey. God is able to make all grace. We have been running with the grace of salvation. When there is all grace. If this grace can transform a sinner like me. Fill him with the Holy Spirit. Change his identity. Change his outlook. What about all the other graces that I'm not using? 
the new thing God is making is that Grace Bible Church, we are moving from the grace of salvation only. There's all other graces. As we walk with God, we'll see new miracles that define. It says all graces in every way at all times. Not only will we be balanced, but we will be contextual and we will be relevant, yet spiritually grounded. Why, God, why, why? That we may have all we need. Not for consumption. That we may abound. Consumption is included there. After you have bought 10 cars, there will still be more. But why do you have 10 cars? It says you will abound in every good work. Find your good work. So that you may see the miracle of God. In your good work. God wants you to anticipate new manifestations of his power, of his glory beyond your lived experience. See yourself missionally for God's sake. Overwhelmed by empowering signs and wonders to face obstacles. Let us pray. Presiding Bishop. Let's just bow our heads together and pray. Maybe just before we pray, Baheso, I think we need to reflect on what we heard today. Because, you see, the gospel doesn't leave us in our comfort. The gospel pushes us to another level. Regardless of whatever societal conditioning, history, culture, whatever it is, what God says has to trump everything else that everybody else says. But the big question is that, can we allow ourselves to renew our minds? Because it's a proactive thing that you do to believe what God says and to go for it. Because God says, I've given it to you. I've given it to you. But will you take the steps of faith? Will you push yourself into another level? So many people fail and they get tired on the way. Because as you're walking around Jericho, the people in Jericho are saying all kinds of things. On your quest to go to the new, there are many naysayers. There are many Sanballats and Tobias. There are many who like to criticize. If you are wise, you don't stop walking around and listen to them. You just keep walking. You just keep walking. Serious word today, the new thing, new actions, new assignments, new provision, new miracles. And my question to you is, what do you see? What do you see? What is it that has been stirred up in you this morning? In your walk with God? Do you want to take a few minutes and pray about that silently right where you are and reflect on it? Think about it. Pray for a while in the Holy Ghost. 
You know, we are charismatic people, Pentecostal people. We pray in the Holy Ghost. We take time in the presence of God for what God has said to us to take shape and form. Will you allow the Holy Spirit to paint on the canvas of your spirit the new image of where God is taking you? Will you allow the word of God to be the authority and the final say over and above everything that everyone else says? He's worthy of the praise. Pray in the Holy Ghost, everybody. You may be coming from a background where they are just telling you it won't be possible. Maybe the home you come from doesn't inspire any hope. The community that you are in doesn't inspire any hope. God's word has come in this morning. Seriously so. For God to challenge us and move us forward to the new thing. What's the new thing that you see in your life? Pray in the Holy Ghost everybody for a while. Just pray the Holy Ghost right where you are. Thank you, Lord. Let this word sink deep into your heart. Let this word incubate in your spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Sapre sakorodeba. Shanda monembra sakaradeba. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Bless your name. Mangebusekorodesdebaradish. Yama mama korodeba. Bless your name. Bless your name. Mangerialo secor de baride. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah.